When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at oceamalibu.com code SUMMER. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the OG Gold Standard Podcast. It's Thursday. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He's Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Start the clock, Rob. We're ready. We're going for the record. I got to beat Vicious six and a half minutes. I need seven <laughs> minutes. So I'm going to keep talking. I'm not letting you in here now. I don't want to do that. I don't More have enough vicious. random crap to talk about this early in the show. Vicious taking a beating for that one rant that he went on. <laughs> But anyway, yo, you can hear that. That was Monday's show. Please go back and check that out. Rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network, like, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have been getting a bunch of reviews, and we are so grateful to you for all of the reviews. Please, please keep them coming because it helps people discover the show. And that's obviously big for us if you want the show to continue. Something we need to do. And I read all the reviews. I always say, I read the reviews. This one comes from Doors, uh, not Doors, excuse me. D-R-O-O-R-S, Dr. Ors, 76, three-star, oof. I want to support, but I really respect the hard work Rob and the crew put into this podcast, but I think the overall tone is very annoying. Rob, the host, is overly pessimistic for my liking. His lack of humility and the I'm the smartest guy in the room attitude turns me off from listening to many of the shows. I don't expect sunshine and rainbows for my Niners content, but Rob's constant bickering is tiring after a while. I'm not sure what he likes about football, to be honest. When the guy nicknamed the human wet blanket is more pragmatic, then something is off. I have a hard time finding value in Rob's opinions when he's never even been to a Niner game. Fandom is built through shared experiences and personal relationships. He then goes on later in the review to praise everybody else on the network except me. Jason, Steph, Levin, Vish all bring great and unique perspective to the pod. I truly enjoy their opinions and different personalities. Keep up the great content. Grant Cohn has zero personality. So that's a semi-satisfied customer. I will say this. I have a sneaking suspicion that if you agreed with my opinions, you wouldn't care that I've never been to a 49ers game. I'm just throwing that out there. And oh, by the way, I'm going. The streak is ending this year. I will be in Levi's Stadium for Niners Cowboys. So there you go. All I got to say is like, amen. That's a 100% accurate (laughs) review i mean i think the most accurate part is that grant cone has zero personality the guy that bounces <laughs> off walls and screams into his microphone yeah has no personality look i know grant rubs people the wrong way to be honest grant's rubbing me the wrong way a little bit right now with some of the stuff he said which we're going to get into 
as always, there's new 49ers quarterback stuff. Um, but Levin, you brought it up before the show, and I think it's a good way to approach it. This is going to be kind of like a therapy session because of all this quarterback stuff. I think 49ers fans have been put in a very interesting position that not a lot of fan bases can really relate to. Yeah, that's the part I'm personally struggling with for since training camp started, especially with Purdy back. But even before then, it's a position I don't think the 49ers have ever truly been in. You could argue Joe Montana, Steve Young. I think that's a little different of a case because one was a known Hall of Famer and one was somebody that was playing at an MVP level when he got a chance to play. A little different of a situation. The reason why I think this one is unique is you have two quarterbacks that are very young that you think have a decent chance of being the franchise quarterback for the next decade. And you want to see what they can do. And the problem is, is only one of them can succeed. You know, yes, both might get a chance due to injury or ineffectiveness of who starts, but only one of them will be able to succeed because if the first person who starts succeeds, the second one's never playing. And if the first one that plays doesn't succeed, the second one will play and hopefully succeed. But it's a unique position because normally when you have two quarterbacks that you might want to see starting, it's more like what we saw the last couple of years where you have a veteran who's a little older that might not be around for a full decade, but you think you could get a couple of good years out of for sure in like the Jimmy Garoppolo situation with Trey Lance. Hey, we know this is an established vet. We know what he is. He's, we think, good enough to probably win a Super Bowl. He's just not great. Or you have, you know, other situations where you have a veteran who's even older that you know is more of a bridge quarterback with the young guy back there, like an Alex Smith and Trent Dilfer situation that rookie year for Alex Smith. This is two young guys that aren't proven enough to know anything about them truly that you want to see play, but you can't. And so you feel like you almost have, you don't want to pick sides, but you naturally kind of have to, but at the same time, you're trying not to, and you're trying to root for both of them. But at the same time, you can't really root for both of them because only one of them can play. It's a weird position that every single day I feel differently about. And I feel almost like a guilt. You know what I mean? Because I find myself, I don't think it's any secret that I've I've been on the Trey Lance train for a long, long time, long before he got drafted. He's a North Dakota state guy. I lived in North Dakota while he was there. So I kind of have a little bit of a bias there. I want to see what he can do. And I feel guilty because sometimes I find myself like when I heard Purdy through an interception, my knee jerk reaction was, Ooh, maybe Trey Lance will get a chance. And then yes. I was like, no, like, why am I rooting against Purdy? Stop it. You know, so you're almost fighting against your own nature. It is a zero sum game. One guy starts. That means the other guy has to sit unless the 49ers decided to do something really crazy. But with Montana and young, the only issue I feel like is that Montana kept getting hurt. That was the problem. And then Steve right. Young was there. And when he would come in, people would be like, damn, why don't we just go with this guy who doesn't get hurt? And, you know, sorry, Joe. That was where the whole controversy was. It wasn't, is Joe Montana a good quarterback? We all knew he right. was. Hell, he went to the Chiefs and immediately went to the AFC Championship game. Uh, this is different because they're both young, because of the complete polar opposite of where they were drafted. Literally the complete opposite ends of the draft. Well, you don't um, normally have like two two guys that were drafted 
young that haven't gotten a chance yet. Like that, I think that that's the position. Normally, oh, we drafted this guy, we gave him a chance. He started for a season, he wasn't good enough, so we drafted a second guy. But we still think this guy maybe has a chance of suddenly seeing the light. You know, it, that's more like the Sam Darnold situation. This isn't a Sam Darnold. That's the unique part of it. But we are on the same team. Like I know we talk about choosing sides, but we are on the same team. the The team that we're on, the side that we've chosen, is we want the 49ers to win a Super Bowl. That's the side that we're all on. That what what happens is we just have different ideas of who we think gives them the best chance to get there, or but just we a are. preference of seeing one over the other. Right. We are on the same side, but I, I'm not going to lie. I agree with you. When I see like, oh, Brock had a tougher day. Trey had a good day. I get happy because I want Trey to start. And I think that's okay for this time of year because they're not playing anybody, you know, like they're not playing anybody. I don't really, if I want to pick to root for one quarterback over the other, I can, but I'm going to root for the starter once the game start, whoever it is. Yeah, see, I, I don't fully agree with that. I think it's natural to have that knee-jerk reaction, but I think you should be rooting for both guys, even right now. I want Purdy to be 16 of 16 instead of 12 of 16. And I want Lance to be, you know, five of five or however many pass attempts. Like I am rooting for both of them to be as good as possible, but I do have a preference. I like, it will bother me forever. If I don't get to see what Trey Lance can be, even if he goes to another team, you know, yeah. If he goes to another team and succeeds that answered the question, he was good enough. But even if he goes to another team and doesn't succeed, a lot of times it's very hard to make that trend. You don't see too many quarterbacks who didn't get a chance here and then they go somewhere else and that whole front office believes them enough to risk their jobs with that quarterback and see him succeed. You know what I mean? That doesn't right. happen very often. So to me, like, if I don't get to see what Lance does in a 49ers jersey, I will forever wonder what could have been. Whereas with Purdy, it's not quite the same. If Lance starts and does really well, I'm not going to find myself looking back on darn what, what could have Purdy been? Because it's just, they don't have the same ceiling, even though it's unlikely that Lance meets that ceiling that exceeds what Purdy can get to. It's still the question. And that when you draft somebody number three overall and you never get to see them play, it bothers you. Yeah. And I agree with that, but no, I don't, I don't think I have to root for Brock Purdy right now. I'm rooting for the guy I want because I want to see that guy play. Well, once the season starts, I'm all in, all in, 100% on Brock if he's the starter, which it looks like he will be. Yeah, I'm going to be cheering him on, and I won't want him to throw interceptions or any of that stuff. But right now, when there's no opponent, I'm rooting for the outcome that I want to see. I, I don't know. I'd be interested to see, actually. Let us know if you agree with that or where you come down on all that. Maybe I'm in the minority. It wouldn't be the first time. That's for I, I honestly, I think if a lot of people are honest with themselves, they probably align cl- closer to what you were saying. Let's be honest. But a lot of people, I think, ideally want to think they're more like what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the knee-jerk reaction I have is, oh, good, Lance might actually get to start. But then five seconds later, I have a sense of guilt of, why am I rooting against Purdy? I think he could be really good. I think he has a decent chance of being the franchise quarterback. Why am I sitting here rooting against the kid? Why am I feeling good that he struggled? I guess not rooting against him, but feeling good that he struggled and Lance didn't. Like, I, don't, because... I, I don't like that I have those feelings, but that's a pretty normal thing. There's all kinds of feelings people have in their lifetimes that they don't like having, but they can't help it. It's a zero-sum game. So if you have a, a person that you want to see start, like that, that's the natural conclusion to that is that, because only one can play, the other one has to suffer when when 
his opponent, for lack of a better word, does well. Speaking of the whole subject of Lance and starting and all of that, big media seems to be taking a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a shift. We noticed earlier this offseason, everybody was talking about Sam Donald's the number two, Sam Donald's shift the number two. Shift or chef? <laughs> we'll get <it. laughs> Rappaport always talked about Donald as the number two. Schefter talked about as the number two. Palacero, I think it was. Multiple people all skipped over Trey and said that Sam Donald was number two. Well, Adam Schefter was on the Pat McAfee show earlier today, or yesterday, excuse me, and he talked about Trey Lance, and what he said was the 49ers told him Lance made progress during the offseason. The Niners thought it was the best offseason Trey Lance has had. had. They thought he was as far along as he's been, the most prepared he's ever been, and now Schefter is saying, hey, Let's let the summer play out and we'll see what happens come week one. That is a very drastic turn from what we were hearing from the national media a few months ago, Levin. Yeah. So at this point it's become, as you're kind of alluding to there in the beginning, as you're introducing it, it's not, can he beat out Sam Darnold? It's people are just talking about him as if he's the backup and, Oh yeah, there's still Sam Darnold kind of here that could end up happening. You know, it's not, Oh, I think Sam Darnold's number two, as Rappaport was saying all offseason. So he's kind of made that leap. And as you said, shifted the narrative. The question now is, can he shift the next level? Can he shift to, hey, Purdy's not necessarily the starter here. Like that, that's the next step. If, if this continues to progress is Purdy's not guaranteed to start week one. He's got to look good in the preseason or something along those lines would be the next step. And we know that uh, that Kyle Shanahan has not guaranteed Brock as the starter in week one. That's a that is a we fact. Know. Well, he, wouldn't, Brock, he wouldn't admit that to the media if, if why not? Had, but unless under express orders from Kyle not to, but there's only one reason for Kyle to order him not to do it, and that's because he wants to reserve the right to change his mind, which he technically has anyway. But yeah, that was a different tone about Trey Lance. And Schefter said that that's what the Niners told him when he reached out. Now to be fair, Schefter also said he reached out to the Niners when people were kind of poo-pooing uh, Brock Purdy, and the Niners told him, quote, what are they talking about? Purdy looked good. They don't know what they're watching. So it's, you know, the Niners are clearly not worried about Brock, or at least they're putting up that front. I did talk with Jack Hammer yesterday, and he told me that none of the quarterbacks have really stood out from, from any of the others except for Brandon Allen, who's been up and down, who's looked really, really good and also really, really bad. But the other guys, he said, are all kind of lumped together. If that's yeah, he, true... To be fair, he said they all kind of look good, but none of them have... At least the part I heard. They've all, they've all been good. Not, none of them are struggling. I hosted the show with him. Are you correcting me on what he said? No, I'm just clarifying for your listeners who <laughs> might not listen to this network unless I'm on the episode. Yeah, well, they're missing out. Let me tell you, 90% of the ep- of the stuff you're not hearing is the good stuff. Um, but if none of them have stood out and Purdy hasn't been told he's the week one starter and Lance, according to, to the 49ers now, from what Schefter is saying, has looked better than he's ever looked. Mayoko just wrote a column about that, saying that exact same thing, that this is the best Trey Lance has ever looked. Why the hell wouldn't he be the starter come week one? Doesn't the tie go to the guy you took third overall? Or does the tie go to the guy 
that performed well in the eight games last season. That's the part that I think factors in here of why I'm so conflicted internally with the situation. Because the answer to both of those is yes. <laughs> the tie should go to the guy that you believed in enough that you traded up to number three and spent three first round picks to get. But also, yes, the tie should go to the guy that's proven in actual regular season games and playoff games that he can be really good. Both of those are yes. That's the problem. Like There is no path here where both of them have looked good and you go, okay, it's only fair that guy gets to play. There's an argument for both. Now you can have one one of those arguments that you think has a little bit more weight, but even people that are going to be pro Purdy or pro Lance will admit the other argument makes some logical sense. And that's part of the predicament here is that you can't wrap your mind around it and find a logical reason for saying both looked good, but this is why this guy's playing. And to his credit, Kyle Shanahan admitted that he didn't really know what the right decision was with Tim Kawakami. He said, like, I still really don't know for sure if I'm doing the right thing, but Kyle is right now erring on the side of going with the guy who did it in the actual games yeah. during the regular season and the playoffs. Another interesting thing that Jack Hammer said, which I was kind of piqued my interest, and I agree with. You know what's but, actually interesting right now before you get into that okay. is that you are so vain you have your Twitter handle on there twice. Oh, your little name tag. Somebody <laughs> messed with my thing. I have not messed with it. I and I'm the only one I think that oh, could mess with it. But I just tough. noticed it. I'm glad you did because that that drives me nuts. That was not. I don't know how that happened. For the, For the podcast listeners, he had Rob Stats Guerrera at Stats on Fire on the top line, and then underneath that, at Stats on Fire as well. Whereas normally we just have the name and then their username for Twitter on the bot. Very vain person here. That was not my intention. <laughs> what the hell? Thank you for pointing that out. 21 minutes into the show. Um, the other thing that Jack said was, and I agree with is stop talking about rust with Brock Purdy. That time is over. The, yeah. the rust is, he has worked off the rust. Now it's just like, what are you doing? Don't excuse away anything that happens in practice by saying, well, he's rusty, he'll get better. No, they are what they are right now. And I do wonder what, if if Purdy has some practices that don't look as good as Lance, when do you say, as Kyle Shanahan, like, this starting to change my mind? What, you know, can you just ignore everything that happens in training camp and practice just because of the games that Brock had last year? I don't know, and I don't know what his thinking is on that. That's why I think Purdy should play in preseason game number one. The sooner you can answer that, the better off you are because you need to know, you know, I, I don't think the joint practices with the Raiders would be the time. Oh, the I think they're going to be huge. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I agree. I know you guys talked about that. I think they will be huge. The problem is, is that it won't be – fair to say oh Brock Purdy struggled so now we're going to go to Lance and start to make that change when Purdy goes against the number ones and Lance goes against the number twos in those joint practices that's going to be the issue that's why I think you should get Brock Purdy into the preseason game and give him that first you know three four series and then get Lance in there try to get Lance in there when the number one defense is still out there so you can kind of get 
some idea of seeing them go against the same people. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's why I want to see them all play. I don't think they will, honestly. I don't think Purdy plays preseason game number one. I think Jack Hammer is right. Purdy will sit out one, maybe play a little bit in two, and then the third game, because it's 13 days prior to the week one game, Purdy will probably, if Purdy is to start at that point, he will pl- probably play an entire half. And so I, I don't know when that point is, but we will know when that point is because that point when it comes, if it comes, will be, oh, Lance is going to share first team reps. That will be the cue. The joint practices with the Raiders that are coming up a week from today, actually, are going to be massive for this team. How Kyle Shanahan juggles everything, how he juggles the reps, how he juggles the splits, mm-hmm. what they do in those joint practices. I think that's the first kind of fork in the road for how these quarterback decisions get made. I think there's going to be so much intrigue to me. I'm treating it basically like another preseason game. Like I, I yeah. it is massively important. I'm going to be so hyper-focused on everything because that's the first point we're going to get where this sort of cloudy picture begins to clear up a little bit. There, there is a chance that the biggest story out of those joint practices will be Trey Lance getting some first team reps and Mm -hmm. Kyle, he might see it as he kind of can almost have a get out of jail free because he can use the excuse of, well, this is a rare opportunity to have, to be going against another team. I wanted to see him go against stronger competition. Well, that would only be a partial admission of, oh, hey, Lance might be gaining and this might be a true quarterback competition for starting. But it wouldn't be a full-on clear, (laughs) hey, these guys are splitting reps now. I don't know the Niners practice schedule that week, but Kyle may have a get-out-of-jail-free card if one of those joint practices happens to fall on a Brock off day. I would be shocked if they do. Why, Why wouldn't you set it up to be where it's not on a Brock? But we're going to find out either way. We'll know if he does that, right? right? They got to travel, right? Because it's in Vegas. So they're going to be traveling to Vegas. So that's your day off for Brock. Yeah. You're not going to practice, travel, practice the very next day. I wouldn't think. Vegas isn't far, but I wouldn't think that they're going to try to practice in the morning, travel in the afternoon, and practice in the morning again. I have no idea what they're going to do. But, yeah, I think even just the, the split will be telling. If you If Trey has no shot to start whatsoever, or I should put it this way, if Trey gets any time with the ones, I think he at least has a small chance to open the season as a starter. I think that's the better way to yeah. say it. If he has no chance to start whatsoever, he'll probably never see time with the ones against the ones, and right. that'll be telling. So that's why I'm, I can't wait for those. Not to mention the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo's on the other side. Like, it's going to be so much fun. I, there, there's one thing that scares me about those joint practices, and it's after watching that quarterbacking show. Max Crosby. Yes. Did you see what happened today? He got into it with Jimmy, right? He got into it with Jimmy because he made contact. From what I from what I read, he made contact and it was Jimmy was reading them the right act and Max wasn't backing down. Do you know how fragile I am? You can't <laughs> tell me. But in the quarterbacking show, for those of you who haven't watched the network or the, the Netflix show, uh, it follows Patrick Mahomes and there's a game when they go against the Raiders and Max Crosby keeps hitting him late and getting like little cheap shots in for, for no reason when the ball's not even there, like just getting his hands on him even, you know, just to make, you know, try to make a statement and stuff like that. I'm worried Max Crosby is one of these pass rushers that 
wants to play games like that. And if he does that on a joint practice, it's going to be a Trent Williams versus Max Crosby throwdown. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think the Niners will put up at all with any contact being made with any of the quarterbacks, but I do feel like Max Crosby seems like the type that's going to purposely want to try. And who will Max Crosby possibly be facing? Colton McKivitz. Advantage Crosby. Let's just say, although I've been hearing a lot of good things about Colton McKivitz, but yeah, I think that that's going to be something to watch too. Right. And, and okay. Let's say Crosby does make contact with a Purdy or a Lance. What do the Niners do in response? Do they just, you know, like that's fight. Those are joint, that's joint right. practices have been canceled early where they don't get <laughs> both practices in because of stuff like that. You have Nor- to. Normally a- it's a DB and a wide receiver, like the DB laying out a wide receiver and then it's a full brawl and they're like, okay, we're not. I, I think that was maybe the Vikings about, yeah. I, want, I want to say like seven, eight, nine years ago, they had that happen one time and like they had to cancel the second practice because the two teams literally fought each other. That's a must fight situation, right? right? If one of the 49ers quarterbacks gets touched, it's on. Like it is full out brawl. Anything less than that by the 49ers, and I would be incredibly disappointed. Right. It, it's the, the response is you know how fragile our quarterbacks are because you got one. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You think that guy's fragile? We got two other guys just <laughs> like him. What are you doing? Uh... Um, but. We are such a torture fan base to be sitting here making jokes about <laughs> our quarterbacks get injured all the time. Well, they do. I mean, you know, facts are the facts. At a certain point, you can't just keep being angry and sad about it. You you got to turn to the statistic jokes. You got to laugh to keep from crying, as they say. That's um, my specialty. <laughs> today, the Niners, or yesterday, the Niners were off, so they had position coaches speak. Um, for some reason, the Niners don't post the audio of those, which is incredibly frustrating because uh, I'd like to be able to bring you some of it. I don't have it right now, although I'm going to scour the Internet and uh, and find it for you. But I feel like Brian Greasy doesn't get questioned the way he should get questioned. He's the quarterback coach. The biggest story with the Niners is quarterbacks. I feel like they talk to him for like two minutes every six months and then that's it. Like this guy's got to have some answers and and Greasy. I think deserves some of the credit last year for what the 49ers quarterbacks were able to do in terms of protecting the football. But I feel like nobody really likes to talk to him that much. Name one other quarterback coach in this league that you have seen an in-depth interview with. An in-depth interview with? Like more than this two minutes every six months. But you could do a lot with two minutes. If I had two minutes with Brian Greasy, I'd get into some stuff. And you probably wouldn't get that two minutes anymore. Yeah. Like, he, he's somebody that doesn't have to talk to the media. There's there's no rules making him talk. And I, I, I literally cannot think of a single other instance where I have heard or seen another quarterback coach's quote about their quarterbacks. Nobody cares about the quarterback coach. We only care because it's been 20 plus years with no franchise quarterback. Yeah, kind of a big deal. <laughs> don't you think? But that, that's my point. Like, the most I've ever heard a quarterback coach talk is Scangarello after he left and he wanted to throw shade at everybody. And then he couldn't shut up. Um, Greasy, for the record, said that Trey Lance looks a lot better. There's no question. He went on to say, being healthy gives Trey a platform with which to find his natural rhythm, to find his natural motion, and to throw the ball like he did in college. That's an endorsement, I guess. He made a face when someone started asking about uh, 
Trey Lance that was just like, oh my God, I can't believe they're going to talk to me about it again. But like, dude, what did you expect at this point? Like, that's on you if you didn't expect the Lance question. Hey, he chose this life. His dad had a long broadcasting career. Brian Greasy had the chance to stay in broadcasting and he chose to go be a coach. True. And he chose to stick around after coaching for a year too. So like you knew that there were quarterback questions last year, Brian. So can't really act surprised now. Um, so I guess that's a good endorsement. Uh, what I'm trying to look real quick and see what else he said. I'm really happy that Trey's at the point where he's healthy and healthy enough to do that. He's put in the work on top of that with his motion to give himself a chance to be more accurate. I'm excited about him getting into some of the preseason games and having the positive reinforcement that he can build confidence and continue to do that. Anything you took away from those comments? The, what we're hearing from the peanut gallery and content creators and some of the daily beat reporters (laughs) is true. Trey Lance is legitimately different and looking more like what they had hoped he looked like, which to me raises the question of if the guy that you drafted number three overall is making the progress that you hoped he would make, how do you not play him? It, 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 like I said, there's so many reasons to play both quarterbacks and there's not really that many reasons to not play one of these quarterbacks. You know what I mean? If Trey Lance looks better, he should play. If, Brock Purdy looks healthy and isn't looking like a shell of what he was. He should play based on the eight games. There's not a reason to not play one of these. And that's something that just kind of eats me up on the inside because it's like, I I want a reason to be able to say, yeah, see that guy. That's why he's not playing. Or that's why that guy is playing over the other guy. I've talked with Vish about this, how I think Brock is the perfect backup quarterback. When I think of a backup quarterback and what I want a backup quarterback to be, I want him to be Brock Purdy. I want him to be a guy that can come in cold off the bench and hit the ground running. I want him to be a guy that can make plays a little bit off schedule. I I don't need him to have the strongest arm, but I need him to be able to hit the open guys when he's there. And I need him to be cocky, almost confident. Unshakable confidence. Yes. Like as my friend Sean Salisbury likes to say, the confidence of a daytime burglar. And Brock has all of those things. I think he's perfect. And I know it sounds like I'm sliding him. I don't mean it to sound that way, but like, that's how I would draw up my backup quarterback. I wonder if, you know, Trey Lance gets bumped down to three because people are going to say, well, he's not really a good backup quarterback. They'll throw in those kind of veiled criticisms of maybe. He can't run the system in the same way that Purdy does. Darnold can. Right. That's. That's what I you you see. We've been hosting the show long enough together. You know what I'm talking about. I almost wonder if that is Brandon be, Allen can too. Right. That's going to be part of the narrative. Is that like, well, Trey's not really a good backup quarterback, even though when he was hurt last year, they would have to change the system. <laughs> even when he was hurt last year, Brock Purdy himself said Lance was helping him constantly all the time, and Lance said he was breaking down film and packages during the week to help. Like, so he was doing the things that a backup quarterback can do. But I just wonder if that'll be part of the narrative if Lance doesn't win the starting job, that it's, oh, he can't be QB2, so he's got to be QB3. Sure. (laughs) I don't think they're. With the way that Lance would have to regress, put it that way. Lance would have to look really bad in the preseason and Darnold look better. As it sits now, no. 
you're going to turn to the guy that you think might be a franchise quarterback because he's been looking good, regardless of everything else. This is where we are, but it's all starting to get interesting. We thought it would get interesting, and it's still taking – there are more twists and turns for this story before we get to the end of the road, and a big, big part of that is going to be what happens. Again, it all comes back to the Raiders with the joint practices in Las Vegas. I am fascinated, fascinated to see it. It's going to be so much fun. I, I just want one of these guys to rise and be – the clear cut so I can have an off season next year where I'm not questioning who the franchise quarterback is. And honestly, I don't give a flying f- which one of them it is. <laughs> Had to get one in before the yep. end. <laughs> I, I could, if Sam Darnold comes in due to some circumstances and he rocks it and has 30 touchdowns in the final 15 games and only 10 picks, I am through the roof excited. I'm not. First of all, Sam Darnold's a free agent after the year, so they have to pay him. That would wreck their whole cheap quarterback thing. But also, no, I'm not ever going to go into anything excited about Sam Darnold for any reason whatsoever. (laughs) Hard pass on that. But anyway, we'll be here with you through all of it. Again, like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. Become a YouTube channel member. Shout out to all our members. It's less than $3 a month. You get priority comment response, custom emojis, membership badges, Please, please, please support the show. What do you got planned for the weekend, Levin? I honestly don't know. I'm actually, I mean, I'm working Sunday, but I have Friday, Saturday off. We have not discussed it because we just had a little mini vacation. So I think it's going to probably be a lot of housework. (laughs) I haven't done any of it in two weeks at this point. Well, throw on some gold standard podcasts while you do the housework, and then that'll make it go by faster. (laughs) Yeah, nothing like mowing the lawn and listening to yourself talk. Well, don't listen to your own show. <laughs> I knew you would react to that. There's four other shows. <laughs> Actually, I know one thing I am doing this weekend. Fighting two different ground bee nests that moved in. Mm, I got a bee's nest above my front door, too. What are you going to do? I have lived here three years. and all three years, there's been a ground bee nest that forms somewhere in my yard. And uh, I'm not paying anybody else anymore. I'm... My wife and I, when I go upstairs, I'm ordering a bee suit because apparently I'm going to be doing this every year. So rather than spending, you know, $150 to have somebody come out, I can just suit up once a year because I have sprayed the nests, but because they're ground bee nests, the spray doesn't penetrate into the actual nest. So they just, you know, they survive enough and then they come back. So what are you going to do? You have to, so you, you suit up and what you have to do is you have to spray in there to get the stuff that kills on contact, get it on there, and then dig it up. you got to dig up and find the nest so that it's gone. They're not going to come back to it. Can you, like, don't people, like, pour, like, molten stuff into the nest? Isn't that a thing, too? You can, but you might not get the whole nest. And if any of them survive, the nest will just grow and come back. And because it's underground, you have no way of knowing unless you dig it up. See, the only way to be sure is dig it up. How did you discover that there was an underground nest? Did you step on it? No, they create a hole. So I see him, see in my yard, there's a hole. I'm holding up my fingers. You know, it's, I don't know, about the size of a donut. And there's a hole. And it's like, well, that's very unlikely to be anything that burrows in the ground because there's a lot of things that burrow in the ground around here chipmunks, moles, 
Um, there's woodchucks everywhere around here uh, or groundhogs, whatever you want to call them. Um, so I have in my yard, I have a dozen of them spread out amongst my acre. There are things that go in, they're solar pow powered and they vibrate every so often. So that anything that wants to burrow and live in the ground, don't. But bees don't give a crap about that because they, <laughs> they buzz and vibrate all the time anyways. Aha. Uh -huh. So well, the bees are the one thing that I still have to deal with. And like I said, every year I've dealt with it and I'm not spending money on somebody else to do it. I buy the suit one time, which is cheaper than paying for somebody to come out. And then every year I can just, I don't like it. You know, yeah, I'm going to be scared. Well, here's another one for you. I'm going to be scared shitless that I'm going to have some hole in the suit that I didn't think, didn't notice, or that popped open as I'm moving to dig up this hole and the bees get in because ground bees are extremely aggressive compared to like honeybees. And, Just know. think of how much more enjoyable that experience will be if you're listening to me talk while you do it, though. I probably won't be listening when I do that part because I will want to have full awareness. True. Well, don't die. Let me just say that. I, I won't die. A lot of bees are going to die. I can guarantee <laughs> that. They just might sting me sometimes. Levin Black, bee killer. Well, good luck. We'll uh, we'll be here with everybody through all of training camp and all that good stuff. By the way, new show. It's going to drop this weekend, Friday night. I think I'm going to drop it. Best of the week. Because some people don't listen to every show. You should, but some people don't. And I thought it would be a cool way for people to get a little bit of exposure to maybe some of the shows they don't listen to. So we're going to take like five minutes, maybe the best five minutes from every show that week and combine it into one podcast for you to give you a chance to listen to some people that maybe you haven't heard for whatever reason and find out you might like them. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, well, you don't have to listen to it. But that's going to be a new show. It's going to drop Friday evening, Friday night, and you'll have it for Saturday. I may move it around once the actual games get started, but going to be a new thing we're starting i hope people like it and to get the ratio right it'll be like four and a half minutes of vish and then about <laughs> half wow it's beginning and end of the show vish I'm, hey, I, I gotta bring a full circle i saw an opening i took it i, I don't i don't think he's that bad that i put it this way i didn't realize he had talked that long until you pointed it out <laughs> and you said we're in eight and a half minutes and i looked at the timestamp on my car while i'm listening to it i'm going Dang, he is right. So. No, I'm always right. It's about time you start realizing. <laughs> yeah, right. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>